Mark chapter 5, and we've kind of spent a lot of time this month talking about giving, and so this morning I'd like us to look at the concept or the thought of not just a giver. Giving is important. We obviously need to give uh, to missions work and to support missionaries and to, to help throughout the world in areas that we are not called to go. We do need to give, but I, we also need to make sure we understand that we're not just a giver. Mark chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 13, but I want to give you a little bit of background with this. Uh, Christ and his disciples have come here, and they've come across, and they're in the country of the Gadarenes, according to verse number 1. And when they get here, there's a man in the tombs. Let's do this one. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, there's a man in the tombs here, and he's, he is uh, considered a maniac. He's crazy. He's walking around. Uh, nothing can contain him. Look in verse number 13. The Bible says, And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits, he was filled with demons, this man was, and the unclean spirits uh, went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea, where they were about uh, 2,000, and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and see uh, to and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the lesion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they saw it, they that saw it, told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was come into the ship, Jesus that is, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed uh, him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed, and began to publish in uh, Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. I want us again to see this morning that uh, although we have a role as a giver or as a sender of missionaries, we also are not just a giver or not just a a sender. Lord, I pray for your help this morning as we look at this passage. I know I've preached on this passage before. I know there, uh, most are familiar with this story, but Lord, I pray that today you would give us something fresh. And Lord, I pray that as I present these verses that I would do it clearly and that I would do it correctly. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't want to spend too much time this morning, so we're going to jump right in. Three questions for you this morning in regards to this passage in this chapter in Mark chapter 5. Question number one is, has God changed you? Has God changed you? In verse number three, at the beginning of the chapter, we see it says, uh, this man who they, they've come across had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Down in verse number five, it says, and always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. And then in verse number 15, we read, it says, And they come to Jesus, and to see him that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion sitting and clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. We see the change that God did in this man's life. We see that at one point, he was a maniac, he was crazy, he was possessed with demons, but he was naked and running around living in the tombs. Uh, if nothing else in this story stands out to you, that should. <laughs> Living in the tombs is not a great place to live. And here he is every day 
doing the same things, screaming, crying, cutting himself, and was obviously not in his right mind. And now the people show up, and here he is. He's sitting still, which if you have a child, you know that's rare. He's sitting still. He's clothed. If you have a child, you know that's rare. Uh, and he's in his right mind. If you have a wife, I mean a child, you know that's rare. We see that God made a change in this man's life. And my first question is, have you been changed by God? We weren't all maniacs before we were saved, but we were all sinners. We may not have been crazy, cutting ourselves, crying, living in a tomb, but we were still yet in need of great change. I was saved at the age of four, and some people say, well, how much wrong could you have done before four? Ask my mom, she'll tell you. I was still in need of change. And yes, God still changed me and molded me along the way since salvation at four. And I've told you, and we've had in uh, Pastor Scott Fulcher in Indiana, and he was saved in prison. And God made a transformation in his life. You know, sometimes we look at the, the big transformations, the maniac of Gadara, those that were saved out of life of drugs or alcohol or um, uh, just immoral lifestyle or whatever it is, and we go, boy, it's so wonderful what God did in their life. And it is, I'm not diminishing that. But it's no more wonderful than what God did in my life and the change that God made in my life. Yes, uh, I'm thankful that I didn't have to learn through some of my past the way that some people have had to. I'm thankful that I didn't have to experience some of the things that other people experienced before they were saved. I'm thankful that I grew up in a home where my father and my mother took us to church every week, uh, disciplined us when we did wrong, raised us in a way that was right. Because it, it helped me to avoid some of the hardships that other people have had to go through but god still had to change me in second corinthians five seventeen, the bible says therefore if any man be in christ he is a new creature old things are passed away behold all things are become new when we are saved god changes us he changes our desires he changes our standards he changes our relationships he changes our attitude and the list goes on god makes a change within our life what we were we are no longer we are now a new creature. There should be change in the life. Change is a um, picture. Change is a, a place where other people can see your salvation. And I'm careful with that because God knows the heart and only God knows the heart. And it's never my job or your job to judge someone else's salvation. But if there is never a change in your life, their question can be asked, are you saved? Because the Bible tells us that when we're saved, we become a new creature. The old desires, listen, the old flesh is still there and it battles constantly with the new creature that God's made me. But my, my desires change at salvation. My attitude changes at salvation. My standards change at salvation. My life changes at salvation. Have you been changed by God? I experience change at salvation. Sometimes it's immediate. Some things will immediately change. Other things, it does take time. I love uh, the people that God's put in our life, and we have some differing viewpoints on some of our friends from some of our friends. We have one man who was saved out of a life of uh, drug dealing, and, uh, and he told me the, the moment he got saved, everything changed. He never, ever looked at it, thought about it, uh, went back to it again. His language changed, all that kind of stuff, immediately at salvation. I know other friends that they go through steps and a process 
um, of, of things having to be taken out of their life and learning how to be new and whatever it may be. And I've heard the one man say, hey, we don't need no seven steps. Uh, and, well, I understand that it didn't, didn't work that way for him, but it takes some, some of it's a process, right? It's not like we get saved and then immediately we know everything. Uh, we've got to learn and we've got to grow and it's the importance of reading scripture and going to church and all those sorts of things. Things do change immediately, but other things change over time. And sadly, sometimes the church is guilty of not being very kind to a new, uh, new Christian. Because we say, well, aren't they saved? Well, why are they still wearing that? Why are they still doing that? Why do they still look like that? All those kinds of things. And listen, that's not our job. It's God's job. And that will happen over time as God changes their life. But he has to first change their relationship with him. And once we accept Christ as our Savior, the change comes. Have you, has God changed you? Question number two, has your change been seen? Has your change been seen? In this man's life in Mark chapter 5, it was immediate and it was obvious. What he was before God changed him was very different than what he was after God changed him. Um, if you've ever experienced uh, times where uh, you have someone in the relationship that isn't great at coordination when it comes to color coordination, um, outfits and things like that, and they come out dressed and you go, I love you, but uh, maybe we should try a different top, or maybe we should try a different tie, or maybe we should try something a little different so that when we walk out of the house, I'm not ashamed to stand next to you. Um, you know, and the change that happens now all of a sudden, okay, now you're allowed to be seen. Uh, now it's okay for people to see you. Listen, when God changes your life, people should see it. Sometimes we try to hide change because of fear. God moves in our life and he changes us, whether it be at salvation or just as a Christian. Over time, God convicts us of something and we take something out of our life. And now we have to still go about our day around the same family members, around the same coworkers, around the same neighbors. And sometimes we're afraid to show them the change that God has made in our life, whether it be uh, for fear of ridicule, whether it be for fear of... Um, Maybe your past testimony hasn't been great, and now you're kind of worried about how they're going to view you and things like that, whatever it may be. But it's, it's time to shine. It's time as a Christian to be seen, to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. The old children's song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. That's what we're supposed to do as Christians, be seen. And the change that God makes in our lives, we should not hide it. We should boldly proclaim it. You look at people like Paul and the change that God made in his life and what he was before he came to Christ. That's something to be ashamed of. But what he was after he came to Christ was something to be proud of. And you know, there were times where Paul went into a place knowing these people aren't going to be happy to see me. These people are going to remember what I did in the past. But he showed them the change that God made in his life. Look at all the disciples and the change that God made in their life. They weren't ashamed of that. Why is it that we in modern day Christianity are afraid to show people that we are different? Depending on the church you go to, you'll hear different messages on how different we should be. And as I've always told our people, you just need to pray about it and ask God. God will tell you what he wants you to be. And then you go and be it. You go and show everybody what you've come from and what you are now. 
This maniac of Gadara, his change was obvious, and it could be seen. My question to you is, if God has changed you, has your change been seen? Are you letting people see it? Question number three, and lastly this morning, has your change led you to a calling? Has your change led you to a calling? In verse number 18, we see this man, he comes now to Jesus as Jesus is getting ready to leave. And he comes uh, to, to Christ in the ship, and he, it says that he prayed him that he might be with him, that he can go with him, that he can follow him. And just as the disciples and the apostles here were doing. And Christ says in verse number 19, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but he saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. You know, there are times where we'll say to God, here am I, send me, and God will say no. If you grow up in church, you always hear about missionaries. You hear, oh man, these missionaries are great. They're in, jung they're in the jungle of Africa, and they're here, and they're there, and they're doing these things, and they're wonderful people, and, I, and listen, I like missionaries, all right? But sometimes we get in this mindset that if we're not a missionary, then are we really anything? If we're not a pastor, then are we really anything? we're not in ministry then are we really anything sometimes and it's I, no pastor ever means to say this but sometimes it comes across that way these people are special these people god loves these people god's working with these people god's helping all these kinds of things and we're sitting there in the pew going well my dad's a mechanic come on dad what's your problem when god changes your life with that comes a calling. And it's not always a calling to the mission field. And it's not always a calling to ministry. But he does say, go home. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your neighbors. Whether it's across the world or next door, we are called to go. Go ye. In this passage specifically, he says, go home. Go into all the world. We are all called to be a witness in our communities, to be more than just a giver, to be more than just a sender. We are called to go. If you have family members that are lost, that have yet to accept the, the gift of salvation of Jesus Christ, then you understand the need to go home. If you have family members or friends that you've known for a long time, that you know that today if they were to die, they'd go to hell. You understand the importance of the calling, go home. If you have co-workers that you see on a regular basis and it's not hard to tell by their lifestyle and their language and the way that they act, that they're, if they were to die today, they would go to hell. It should not be hard to understand the command to go home. This man had a great change in his life, and when he did, he said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be with you every step of the way. I want to learn from you, specifically sit at your feet and listen to you teach. And it's amazing that Christ said no. I love the ministry. I love, I love most aspects of the ministry. And I'm so thankful that God has called me to be a pastor and specifically to this place. But I'm telling you, if there's one thing that I've learned 
being bivocational, working full-time in, in a secular job, is there is a huge need to go home. There's not a place in this world where you could say they don't need a new church. There's not a place in this world where you, can't, where you can say they don't, they don't need a gospel witness. And we can argue over which country, which city, which location, all that kind of stuff, all you want, which is most important. But no matter what God has called you to do, one thing he has called us all to do is to go home. Yes, we need to send missionaries across the world because, let's face it, we're not going across the world. Most of us aren't called to the mission field. And even if we were, there's still millions of other people in other countries and cities that need a missionary too. But in many cases, especially for us that are adults, we already know what God wants us to do in our life. He's already placed us in the job that he's put us in, the community that he wants us in. And he says, I want you to be a giver and to send missionaries throughout the world, but I don't want you to be just a giver. I want you to go home. And what's a wonderful thing is, is this man didn't argue with Jesus, at least not that we read. It says in verse number 20 that he departed and he began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. You know what happens when you listen to God? You impact people. You say, well, but I only have, I don't know, I only have two coworkers that I see on a regular basis. Okay. The gospel works for two people. Well, there's hundreds of people in my workplace, and, and I, how am I ever going to talk to them all? I don't know, but uh, you can take a gospel track. You've got a break time, don't you? Uh, you? I've learned, at least my experiences, maybe it's not true everywhere, but all workers like to take a break. And when they do, they usually will stand in a circle and talk. Now, sometimes you have to get out of that circle. But oftentimes, especially if you pray and ask for it, there'll be opportunity where you can go and you can share the gospel. I'll never forget back when I was loading trucks at FedEx, uh, every morning I'd stand across the, uh, uh, the little conveyor belt from an 18-year-old, and we would talk. We were very different in a lot of, lot of ways. And, uh, but we would talk, and we, as we talked, and, and as he, we kind of got to know each other, he'd start asking me questions told him that I was a pastor early on in the process and, and whatever. And so then we, he started asking questions. He said, you know, uh, my mom goes to this church, and, um, and her friend is always on me, hounding me, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And he said, I asked this question to her, and I honestly don't remember what the question is now, but he said, I asked this question to her, and she just kind of beat around the bush and got back to, I need to go to church. So he said, I'll ask you. And so I answered him. He said, huh. <laughs> and then we kept on loading boxes into trucks. And the next day we come back, and now there's a new conversation. I'm all for gospel witness. I'm all for soul-to-soul, door-to-door soul winning. I'm all for uh, what, what I call confrontational soul winning, where you're there for the purpose of getting the gospel out. I'm not against that. But I have seen that our community wants to know first that we're for real, we're genuine. They don't want to hear a speech that we memorized. They want to see it in your life first. 
They want to see the, God, the change that God's made in your life. And if they see that, then they'll say, okay, I'll listen. And there are people that will come across and will have the opportunities to share the gospel with a perfect stranger. And God has worked in their heart, and God convicts their heart, and they accept Christ as Savior right there on the spot. That can happen. But I will tell you, there are people you're around every single day that God has said, go to them. And it starts with the way that you live them seeing the change in your life and then from there it leads to the opportunity to share with them clearly from the scriptures how they can know the savior that you know how they can accept the gift that you accepted has your change led to your calling have you gone home has god changed you if he has has your change been seen and has your change led to your calling? Be more than just a giver. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. Lord, I know most everybody in the room today, and I know that we have many good people. Lord, many Christians, if not all. And Lord, I pray that today, though, you would help us to see that we are to do more than just sit in the pew and drop money in the offering plate. Even though that is important, God, I pray that you'd help us to be not just a giver, but, Lord, that we would know what you desire for us to do and that we'd be faithful and bold to share the gospel with the people you've placed in our lives that we see on a regular basis, whether it be our children in our own home, whether it be our extended family, whether it be our neighbors, our coworkers, whatever it may be. Lord, I pray that we would go home and that we would show uh, and tell the great things that you've done in our lives. So, Lord, help us to be a missionary. Help us to reach the mission field that you've placed us in as we as well help others reach the, the world and the community that you've called them to. So, Lord, we pray for your help this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, the piano.